0: ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930. Present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Monday, July 20th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program. You do that by calling the Miller Lite phone line at 877 420 Talk. That is 877 420 Talk. Four two zero eight two five five Miller Light, hold true, great taste. Only ninety six calories. It is the original light beer. We're taking your phone calls this hour. We got a lot to get into. Um, trying to keep up with everything that has happened over the weekend. Of course, uh, we start with what's happening in high school football in California, because this could be a precursor to things to come in other states. We've already seen a couple of states indicate that football season would not happen. And the California Interscholastic Federation, which is the governing body for high school sports in the state, making the announcement today. The earliest its football season and the remainder of fall sports will start is December this year. And the first thing that a lot of people are talking about is it could have an impact on college football recruiting. And it also could open the door and set a precedent for other states going forward with the COVID-19 pandemic. So California, one of the biggest high school hotbeds in the country, saying no February, March, you know, maybe those are possibilities, but the earliest is going to be December. How will it look in December? We don't know. But with that said, here in West Virginia, specifically Governor Jim Justice... He's also expressing concern about the virus numbers. They haven't been good as of late in the state. But in his, of course, address to the state, he said he believes the state is on track to open school by September 8th. And he said, I am all in on wanting to hit that date and be back in school. This is during his briefing today. He added, I truly believe with all in me, we're going to be back in school by September 8th, and we're going to be playing football. I believe it wholeheartedly. He said that. Not, yeah, you know, we're going to try to do this safely, nothing like that. You know, he was saying, hey, I think we're going to be back. He's, he's basically calling this a political football. But we're going to be back, he believes it, by September 8th, and we're going to be playing football. Back to playing football. So I think his priorities are um, just mixed up a little bit. Sure, I'm not against getting back to playing sports, obviously. If you listen to this program, you know, we, we're a sports program. So, you know, we are on the side of student-athletes who like to play sports. However, at the same time, you know, I think that's just an arbitrary date. And, and yeah, you know, I don't know how you're going to pull this off. I mean, you've got states across the country deeming it not safe. You've got colleges major colleges at that, pushing back the date to when they're going to play college athletics and even eliminating some of the travel, getting rid of the non-conference side of their schedule. So you know, it's still up in the air, I think. I think trying to set a date of September 8 is, again, you know, the very thing he says it is. It's political football right now. So yeah, he's believing it wholeheartedly that uh, we're going to be back to playing football on September 8th. and of course, the big thing that a lot of the people who are proponents of this are saying, again, it's it's the well-being of the student athlete, the, the psychological makeup of these kids, you know, they need this structure or the fact that recruiting is going to be damaged for these kids. And there are so many, and I can come up with excuses for and against all on this argument. But at the end of the day, you know, I can't even believe he is um, including that in there. I think when it's safe to come back and play and you, know, you can do it in a, a healthy manner because you know what kind of testing are you going to have for high school athletics? Seriously. If testing is going to be a big issue, are you going to be able to test students across the state of West Virginia on a consistent basis? Are you going to be able to do that? And are you going to be able to quarantine these kids or are you going to be able to isolate these kids, put them in some sort of bubble? And I don't think you can do that. We're talking about young student athletes interacting with the student population, and there's no measure of control for any of that right now. You can, you can talk about wanting to do this all you want, but I don't know where you're going to be able to pull this off and how you're going to be able to pull this off. if you can pull it off, more power to you, and I'll be first one to applaud you. But at the same time, I'm a little bit concerned about how they're going to try to pull this off. Already we're seeing some of the other states make more of a pronounced edict on what should be happening for college athletics and pro. Right now the NFL, the NFL until further notice they're playing, we haven't gotten the official what the preseason is going to look like yet, but they're coming together with their terms, how testing is going to be. They're trying to figure this out. And we've talked about fans in the stands. Well, there's not going to be any fans in the stands for the Giants and the Jets, at least to their home games at MetLife Stadium until further notice, because order came from the governor of New Jersey, executive order limiting outdoor gatherings due to COVID-19, and... It's going to impact, of course, both of those NFL teams. The decision is most likely going to last the entire NFL season. If things get better, maybe things can open up a little bit. But both teams releasing a joint statement today, both the Giants and Jets in the statement, say we support Governor Murphy's decision in the interest of public health and safety and until circumstances change and circumstances change, I apologize. Both the Jets and Giants will play our games without the benefit of fans and attendance. This was a joint statement on social media today. And it continues, Although we would prefer to have fans at MetLife Stadium for our games, we will continue to work with Governor Murphy's office and will provide updates if necessary. So already you have the Giants and the Jets If they play, there won't be fans in the stadium. And that means Rutgers as well. Rutgers, if there is a college football season for Rutgers, Rutgers will have to operate under the same rules. And they released their statement today. uh, All venues will operate in accordance with the executive order issued by the governor, limiting outdoor gatherings to 500 people or fewer. They added all safety precautions will be in place for those individuals who will be in attendance. And, of course, the Big Ten already coming down with the decision that only conference games will be played, only conference games, no non-conference games, because those institutions believe in the best interest of the Big Ten. It's okay to sacrifice a few conference, non-conference games, mind you a few non-conference games in order to to get the rest of the season going. And what if they extend the playing schedule? What if they replace that missing inventory for television with maybe a more robust conference schedule? Who knows? Still so many things are on the plate right now. But you've got that happening today. The Big Ten, of course, with their announcement starting the ball rolling for a lot of these conferences and schools as far as getting the – I guess getting it kicked off because we've seen over the last week or so several leagues, smaller leagues, come up with the we're not playing fall sports. Uh, We haven't heard from really the group of five schools yet. We're still waiting for what the other power schools are going to be doing, or at least the power conferences, figuring out what the course of action is going to be. I've seen some stories on social media where some of the athletic directors group of five have been talking about, you know, maybe the group of five should stick together because, and we've seen more and more of these stories as we try to figure out what the impact of this is going to be. Schools that are in the Mid-American Conference, well, guess what? They play a lot of Big Ten schools. All of a sudden, those money games are gone, and it's even worse. There was one story I was reading. It was interesting read about the 1AA schools, the football championship series schools, the FCS, and how they're sort of run almost like whereas the big-time schools, the big-time programs, they're going to make money. You are trying to break even. It's almost as if the goal here is if you make a few dollars, great, but if you break even, pretty much you've done your job when it comes to those programs. And this is going to be detrimental for those schools that don't get those money games, those pay games now. And Same thing for a lot of the group of five schools. A lot of the football revenue is funding. As we've talked about, a lot of this is coming from football. Some schools, it's a lot more. Other schools, it's substantially less. But at the same time, you look at the overall percentages, what's paying for a lot of things, and a majority of the budget's coming from football. So if you're a school like Marshall... There could be a potential hit on the budget if you lose some of those out-of-conference games, some of those money games. Now, East Carolina, is at a huge money game? I mean, it's not going to be like playing Ohio State type of money, but it's good money, and you're losing some awful nice ticket opportunities with Pittsburgh and Boise State coming in, and, of course, You're not losing that true road money game, but the opportunity to play host to a team like Pitt, Pittsburgh's coming in, and that would have been a great draw for fans that would travel from the Steel City. And, of course, Boise State would have been a great draw as you bring in one of the premier Group of Five schools, a program that has excelled ever since they came from those 1AA days and playing against Youngstown State here in Huntington at Jones C. Edwards Stadium. So you have all of these considerations. It's money. That's what's driving this thing. That's why we're seeing the Major League Baseball season restarted finally. It's money. That's why the NBA is playing in a bubble. It's money. That's why we see the NHL playing in host cities. It's money. NASCAR is back. Money. The difference here, though, is the pro sports, I think, are going to have a better handle on the overall makeup of how they handle things. I mean, the NFL, though, hasn't impressed me yet. I think the NHL has impressed me with what they're doing so far. We'll talk a little bit about how they're doing testing-wise so far. The NBA, they're doing it as best as they can right now. Baseball, I actually watched a couple of games over the weekend briefly. I didn't watch in its entirety, but I watched a little bit of the Mets, Yankees, and you know it was entertaining to a degree. It still felt like spring ball to me, so maybe that's going to be something that you know I'm going to have to overcome because just the feeling, the sound, the vibe of it, it just didn't feel like it was a true game. But that's what it's going to look like here for the foreseeable future. So the pros are going to be able to really take advantage of the unity, whereas we've gone over this before. The colleges, everyone is sort of a city-state. I mean, we're not Alabama here. Everybody except Alabama. Of course, Alabama can spend sick amounts of money. And if you've seen their Twitter handle, go check Alabama's Twitter handle out because they released the photos of their locker room. And let me tell you, their locker rooms are probably better than most, if not all, the NFL locker rooms. And if you are a a student, potential student-athlete for Alabama – Sure, you're not going to get paid, but boy, you're going to have the best locker room in, in, in probably all of football. Check it out. It's fantastic. I mean, the, the seats are plush. Uh, the, the lighting is beautiful. It's just, it's it's first class. It, it probably is the best locker room I've seen, period. And Alabama's got all that money. Got to spend it somewhere. Uh, we got all that money. All right, we're going to get your phone calls in at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. We carry on with today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're talking budgets and Old Dominion anticipating revenue shortfall of at least $7 million for the fiscal year of 2021. And this is coming from their athletic director, Wood Selig, he said that the coronavirus pandemic likely is going to force most, if not all, colleges and universities to cancel all fall sports this season. Let me pause on that for a second. This is the athletic director of Old Dominion. So, if you're hearing it from Old Dominion's athletic director, what's this say for what might be happening with Conference USA? I'll read that again to you. Saying that the pandemic likely will force most, if not all, colleges and universities to cancel all fall sports this season. And he also added that playing in the spring may not be as attractive an option as it appears, unless there is a vaccine. And that's a good point. If there is a vaccine that is going to be available, will student-athletes want to take it? And obviously that's going to be their choice. Uh, Will student-athletes that don't take the vaccine be allowed to play? Those are issues that I'm sure are going to be discussed. But I mean, this is a well-respected athletic director in the ranks of Conference USA. This is Wood Seelig, And he said, in all honesty, unless there is a vaccine, I think we're just kidding ourselves into thinking that it's going to be safe to hold athletic events and that we're going to be okay. He said that he and Deputy Athletic Director Ken Brown are anticipating revenue shortfall of at least seven to $8 million for the fiscal year for its $42 million budget. Again, Old Dominion is a little higher up there in the budget, $42 million. If fall sports are not played and ODU loses additional gate revenue, the deficit will increase. He did say that uh, they anticipate declines in ticket receipts, corporate sponsorship, and other numerous revenue sources. The university's fundraising efforts have been, he said, surprisingly strong. And he added that uh, many donors have stepped up during the difficult times. Now, If you're Old Dominion, maybe you have a more affluent donor base and you can expect better donation efforts from them. You could possibly write it off. I mean, again, if if your donor base is pretty affluent, if your donor base has money, you can expect solid, decent, good gifts. I think that's fair to say. Each university, each institution's donor base will vary. Uh, Marshall, of course— always um, looking to increase numbers and uh, I'm gonna tell you right now they they work their tails off the big green they work their tails off a lot and it's hard to go out and ask for money especially during this time honestly um I don't know how a lot of us are doing it right now and if you're in a situation where you're struggling I'm sorry and I feel your pain and and I truly hope it gets better, and hopefully, uh, you know, we're here every day, bringing something of uh, a little joy or, or at least um, familiarity to your life, because uh, it's just been rough out there. And I get it. And here's Old Dominion; they're anticipating at least seven million dollars. But I mean, that is what I'm looking at here. As far as are we going to see these games played? Because we haven't um, really got any indication that anything's going on. Now, football is operating publicly on social media as if it's happening. Why wouldn't the social media accounts, why wouldn't anyone put the good front on, hey, we're we're, we're, we're getting ready for the season because I mean, you want to be positive, you want to be optimistic, and there hasn't really been anything said yet that says, look, this game against East Carolina coming up late August, it's not going to happen. That hasn't been said yet. So you're planning on that game. You're planning on Pittsburgh coming in to Huntington on September 12th. You're planning on Boise State coming in on September 25th. Ohio going to make that trip. going to make that road trip up the river, down the river, depending on where you're at. It would be down the river for them. Be up the river for herd fans. I do know. September 19th, take it on Ohio. Battle for the Bell. The it'sy bitsy teeny weeny trophy that I can't stand. I like the concept. No, I like the I like the concept. Hey, battling for a bell, but then you see the you actually see the trophy. God, that's that's the bell. I mean, couldn't couldn't you get this big, gigantic, huge? trophy bell that, you. you I mean, you got this little itsy bit, I mean, it's, uh, don't get me there. Let's, let's get me off that topic right now. I don't want to get in trouble with anyone. Uh, that is a topic that will get me in trouble. So let me just back off that right now. But you get my point here. You, you get my point completely. That donations are going to have to be key for, for Marshall and for other schools because that's going to be a source of revenue. It's going to be a huge source of revenue. Now, How much revenue you're bringing in minus what you're spending is going to drastically change because if you're not bringing in the revenue with ticket sales and game day and and sponsorship and you're not bringing in that revenue, how much is the expense offsetting that though? Because you're not putting on a football game. So how much does a football game cost to put on? How much are you making compared to how much you're, Spending out to put that game on—that means paying staff, and that means paying guarantees. I mean, you're not paying schools coming in; you're not giving them the the guarantee that they're coming in, they're getting paid for. You're you're not putting that out. You're not paying game day staff. You're not paying uh, for everything that goes into putting together a football game, making it happen at the facility. Of course, could we see staff reductions? And we don't want to see that. We don't want to see any of that. What? What's going to happen here? What's the reality? Once we hit it, once it happens, what's the reality? Or will we dodge dodge a close one here, and will we see football at Jones-C. Edwards Stadium? I mean, will Conference USA eventually come out and say, look, uh, we're not doing fall sports for the Olympics. We're going to limit that, keep football open, because yeah, you, know, you don't want Conference USA coming out. Conference USA. Not going to come out today and say, look, we're, do, we're not doing non-conference. Conference USA is going to wait until we see what the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, what they're going to do, what they want to do. And I don't think you're going to see Conference USA be the first of the group of five to come out and say, hey, we're not going to do non-conference. Maybe the American comes out and says, "Yeah, we're not doing it. Would that be the domino that falls for Conference USA? Maybe with the Mountain West coming out and say, hey, we're not doing it? Is that going to be the domino? Or will Conference USA be the last one to the party and say, hey, you know what? Obviously, everyone's not doing non-conference, so we're going to do that as well. Or... If there are going to be conferences that do non-conference, maybe in a plus-one capacity to do the conference season and, and maybe a plus-one so some rivalry games can be played, you might see that. You might see a couple of leagues go, okay, we're going to do a plus-one so we can get traditional rivalry games going on. That, that could happen. But if you're playing in the ACC and you can do a plus-one does that mean Marshall loses Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh looks elsewhere? Uh, if you're Boise State, I mean, if there's a plus one, does Marshall get the plus one honor? Uh, if you're East Carolina, if there's a if there's a if, if there's a school that might say, "Look, we need to play this game," we might we might have to do this. I mean, maybe. I'm not saying Marshall's going to rank high on their non-conference schedule as far as. All of the schools that they can pick from, they're going to pick that one game. But still, I would think they would look at that one and go, "Hey, week zero, okay, we can do this game." I mean, we can't play all the games, but we can do this game. But at the same time, maybe they push it back a little bit. Maybe they push it back and say, "Hey, we can do this game. We can have to push it back a little bit." But you know, maybe that'll be our game before we get into the the conference season. Yeah, I haven't looked at East Carolina's schedule, actually. Let's, let's do that right now. East Carolina University, East Carolina Pirate Football. Let's do that search and see what I get here. Of course, um, I'm um, I'm using, I'm not using Google. I'm using DuckDuckGo. Y'all use that? It's supposed to be, like, better for privacy. I just tried it out today. It's, uh, it seems okay. It's not a bad, uh, I mean, I know we're digressing here, but it's, a, it's not a bad alternative to to Google. Okay, so Google doesn't know I'm searching here. So, I mean, Marshall, South Carolina, Norfolk State, and that's that's the big one. And Georgia State. Okay, so of the four here, if they go plus one at South Carolina, if the SEC says, hey, we can do plus one, and the SEC – that's a big game. You're you're doing your plus one, but then we got to do this whole thing. We got to look at South Carolina's schedule, right? I mean, because South Carolina, might go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute here. Um, that's a uh, that's awful nice that you want to come and play here, um, but we might uh, we might have a game that we want to play a, a little bit more than than your game here. So, if you look at South Carolina's schedule, and of course, we look at South Carolina's schedule, and we see. But they, I mean, they have Coastal Carolina on their schedule. Okay, so I think we could we could lose that one. Um, so they have um, they have Missouri on the schedule. They have Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee, Texas and Vanderbilt, Georgia, LSU. I mean, I don't know. These are going to be some interesting days as far as what schedules are going to look like. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I'll tell you this though: it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what Conference USA ultimately decides to do. Coastal Carolina, though, I mean, always I Marshall could get Coastal Carolina on the schedule. I mean, if Coastal Carolina needs a game tomorrow, I would play that game. I will play that game completely. But as it stands right now, if it's a plus one, uh, you got Coastal Carolina, East Carolina. I mean, where do you go from here? Same thing with Marshall. If Marshall had – if Conference USA had a plus one, if there's a plus one only, oh, that's probably the better question to ask. Okay, that's the better question. Not what would these schools do? What would Marshall do if there's a plus Conference USA comes out tomorrow and just says, Look, we're going to we're going to allow one non-conference game? I don't think it's going to happen this way, but if Marshall was given the choice, okay, Mr. Hamrick, you can play one of these games, and all four were on the table and available. Do you play the East Carolina game on the road? I mean, that's a big game. That's a big game. That's a significant game. A lot of symbolism there. And then there's Boise State coming in. Boise State. We haven't seen Boise State and Huntington since the one double A days. Which one gives me more money? Which one Which one pays more of the bills? I mean, do I, get, do I have potential to make more money with Boise State at home or East Carolina on the road? And let's say there's no changing of the schedule. I don't know. I mean, does the appeal of East Carolina diminish if it's not week zero, if it's pushed back? Obviously, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow this down. If, if I'm Mike Hamrick, and I'm sure Mike is sitting there going, no, you can't be Mike Hamrick. I'm Mike Hamrick. But if, if, if Mike looked at me and said, okay, Paul Swan, you know it all. You tell me. I'm going to look at Mike and I go, well, you're gonna scratch Ohio off that schedule if you're gonna narrow these down we're gonna scratch Ohio off that's the first one to go you can only play one of these non-conference games mr Hammer. you, you got to, you're scratching that one Battle of the bell can wait we can we can ring that bell later so you got Pittsburgh I mean that's a nice game that's a nice game and all but I think um, I think Boise State's probably more attractive than Pittsburgh, even though it's Pittsburgh and it's ACC, it's Pittsburgh. But Boise State, I think Boise State's a bigger deal in football right now than Pittsburgh. So, okay, we scratch that. Then there's East Carolina and Boise State. Then I'll throw it back on Mr. Hammer and say, okay, which one do you make more money off of? Because I don't know that. That's where I would throw it back on him and say, look, okay, if you're asking my opinion, which one makes more money for you, that would be the one I would choose. If all four are on the table. Decision might be made for all these schools anyway, but if, if I was picking, what do you think? 877-420-TALK. 877-420-8255. Social media, at Paul Swan. You can find me on Twitter. Which one? If you can only have one of these non-conference games, if there's a conference-only schedule, but there's a plus one to accommodate big games and rivalries, which one of these games stay and which three get jettisoned? More on the way. It's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Buckle up. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive. ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We've got a poll question now on my Twitter account, at Paul Swan, if Conference USA goes to a conference-only schedule for football, with the exception of one non-conference game, which one do you keep? Fifty. Oh, it's it's moving. It's moving. 44% now say East Carolina. 33% of you say Pittsburgh. 12% of you say Boise State. And 11% say Ohio. As this is going to be up until tomorrow's show, you've got a full 24 hours to vote on this one. So you can go to my social media account, at Paul Swan on Twitter, and you can vote on today's question. It'll be interesting to see how this thing fluctuates Uh I knew it would be tough to pick between East Carolina and Pittsburgh. Bo- I, Boise, though, 12%? Over? I mean, it's early. It, it's really early. And yeah, this is this is not scientific. This is all not scientific. Okay, we're going to follow that. You can follow that as well on Twitter. The phone number to be a part of the program, 877-420-TALK, 877 877-420. 420 8255 if you want to be a part of today's program. Hey, speaking of Boise State, it's a good jumping off point for Boise State. So we don't know if the season's going to happen or not. That's fair to say. But there are already plans in place. If there's going to be a season, Boise State has a plan. They have informed season ticket holders about anticipated COVID nineteen guidelines for the upcoming season, and they're talking about the social distancing rules they plan to put into place. Suggest that attendance will be capped around twenty five to thirty percent of the actual capacity. They're adding there's going to be safety measures. Uh, they will go in priority order of the season ticket holders who already purchased tickets. So this is from uh, Kurt Aspie. He's the athletic director of Boise State. Now, this one doesn't impact the Marshall game directly, but this is what Boise's looking at. Priority order of the season ticket holders who have already purchased tickets. I mean, same thing for basketball. If you, for example, if you spend the extra money and you have the courtside seat, all of a sudden – the capacity for those courtside seats goes down drastically. Do you then say, you know what, get me next year? Or do you understand that you might have to be reseated somewhere and you get some of the best possible seats? Because I see a major shift here when it comes to the seating of long-standing, season ticket holders. I don't know if... The priority points are going to have a major factor, which I would think they would. Everything that's going into um, your priority, where you where you sit, that could all come into play. If you're a football and a basketball season ticket holder, would you get priority over just a basketball season ticket holder? Uh, those are things you got to keep in mind. All of that's happening, and we don't know what it's going to look like here because, again, it changes day by day. It changes almost hour by hour some days, but day by day we're looking at a situation where we just don't know. And looking at the poll question, uh, again, running total right now. This is going to be up for at least uh, the remainder of today, and we'll get the results tomorrow on the show. But uh, it's East Carolina right now on our poll question. If you have to pick just one non-conference game to play, if you're allowed one, which one do you keep? East Carolina at 44%. Pittsburgh and Boise State tied at 24% and um, 8%, which has now dropped to 7 as this thing changes at a moment's notice. Ohio, so 43% for East Carolina now. These are all live numbers as of this broadcast. 25% each for Pittsburgh and Boise State. 7% of you say, hey, keep Ohio. That's the game. That's the game we should be having. So um, you can vote on Twitter. All you have to do is go to my Twitter account at Paul Swan, and if you're following me, thank you. If you're not, please do me a favor. Give it a consider. Give it consider it. Give it give it a give it a thought. Give it a big thought. And if you don't, give it some more thought. And then finally, you'll come to the right decision and you'll do that follow for me. I would appreciate it. We'll come back and wrap the show up when we continue with today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. Never miss a moment of The Drive with Paul Swan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Monday, July 20th edition, The Drive on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. Paul Swan, your host here. We're on until 6 o'clock this evening. Of course, you can find us on Facebook at any time, The Drive with Paul Swan. You can find me on Twitter, at Paul Swan. That's where we have our poll question right now, asking you, if Marshall can keep just one of its non-conference games, which game should the Thundering Herd keep? on the schedule and we'll review the final results later on in tomorrow's edition of the show. Hey, um, it's a big day. 11 years ago today, I don't know if you knew this, 11 years ago today, Mike Hamrick was introduced as the director of athletics at Marshall University. That's a big deal. You keep an athletic director around 11 years. I mean, sometimes some programs can't keep a coach around 11 years. And uh, Mike taking the job, officially being introduced 11 years ago today. So congratulations to Marshall University's athletic director, Mike Hamrick. And um, I think he's done a great job. And that's not me just saying it to say something nice about him. I think he's done a really nice job, and um, I can argue uh, several ways he's done a good job for Marshall athletics and how he's improved the overall health of the program. I know fans want to see the Thundering Herd win Conference USA championships every single year. Um, That's just not going to happen. That's the reality of college athletics. So there are going to be years you can, and there are going to be years you can't, And I think overall you see the health and the well-being of the program has improved. You're seeing facilities being built. Uh, I think the program has uh, stayed out of major trouble, and that's a key right there. The academics have been, I think, really solid, especially with what Marshall has done with the academics. They've built the facility, incorporating academics and health and really with the practice facility you could have just had a practice facility but you you put some um you put a lot of um i think investment back into student athlete with a facility that not only do you have i think one of the best sports medicine programs around probably one of the best student academic programs around over the buck uh you have of course a a finally a nice place to honor those in the marshall athletics hall of fame uh you've got of course um Really, I think, a nice indoor facility for track and so many other things. And that's not just the only thing that Mike's done as the athletic director. I just highlight that as one of the um, signature pieces of the revitalization of facilities over the campus. And, of course, there's more work to be done. He'll tell you that, and I'll tell you that as well. There's always more work to be done. Uh, Hey, uh, we got a a guy who um, he's familiar with Marshall football. You all know Levi Brown, right? You familiar with him? Uh, he says Pitt or Boise on Twitter. So he's picking Pitt or Boise. No, you have to pick one. You can't go Pitt or Boise. You have to pick one. Uh right now the poll results again, unscientific. We'll have the final results tomorrow. That means you get a you get you get a whole day to rally for your favorite team. East Carolina, 36% of you say, "Hey, play that game." 33% of you say, "Play Boise." 19% say play Pittsburgh. 12% say play Ohio if you could keep one. So it might come down to East Carolina and Boise State. I was kind of anticipating that. Which one pulls away? Which school pulls away as your favorite choice? I'll leave that to you. I'm going to let the voters decide. That we will have the final results coming up tomorrow on the show. But that's where we stand now. And, of course, if you uh, want to keep up with me, if you're voting on that poll and you haven't already, quick, fo- just quick follow. Hit follow. And that'll help me out. A pre- I mean, I really would appreciate that. Thank you, thank you for following me. All right. We got a lot to get into, and we got just maybe a few minutes, so we're going to go rapid fire here. First of all, you know that the Toronto Blue Jays are not going to be able to play in their home ballpark because Canada's government prevented them from doing it because of the pandemic. Government doesn't like the idea of the Blue Jays traveling back and forth, back and forth, going to United States, back. There are going to be several countries that are going to bar travel from the United States because of the way this country has mishandled or is handling the pandemic, depending on your point of view. So the Blue Jays looking for a facility right now, and they're looking to be in a uh, major league facility. There could be be a possibility they play at their AAA affiliate, but they're looking to be a team that plays in their major league facility, and they have more than five contingency plans. The story reads, the Pittsburgh Pirates among those teams, and the Pirates making that announcement that, yes, they are among the teams that are having conversations with Toronto. That would be interesting to see Toronto playing their home games in Pittsburgh, which, by the way, Pittsburgh's got one of the nicest, prettiest scenic ballparks. It just, it's, it looks baseball. Whatever you think about the Pirates, they put together a really nice ballpark. It just it feels like baseball when you look at PNC Park. And so that could be an option. Also, the National Hockey League releasing its first COVID 19 test results since training camp opened up on July 13th. And you know what? The NHL is doing it all right. Only two players had tested positive. So you've got the first five days of testing from Phase 3, on phase three of its return-to-play protocol. The league said that 2,618 tests were administered to more than 800 players Returning only two positive COVID-19 tests, both players had self-isolated and are following the protocol set forth by both the CDC and Health Canada. And the timeline for a return to the team greatly varies if the player was symptomatic or asymptomatic. NHL, Phase 3, if you're in Phase 3, you were tested on an every-other-day basis, along with daily checks for fever and symptoms. NHL might, at the end of this, sit back and go, look, we made it happen. What did they do different? Two hub cities, okay, relocated to... One of their member countries, which is Canada, basically said, we're just going to take it in Canada because Canada has better numbers. And the NHL feeling more confident in the host cities in Canada than they were with the cities chosen, or at least were considered, in the United States. NHL might be sitting back going, hey, we might be onto to something here. So that's what you got right now with the NHL and what they're doing as far as getting back to play. But we're going to have summer hockey in August. I am so excited for that. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to have hockey on my birthday. I'm I'm hoping it's going to be – well, no, take it back. I hope the Rangers have swept the Carolina Hurricanes at that point. I don't want game four on my birthday because it might be elimination. I don't know. If it's 2-1, if it's the Rangers are 2-1 up on Carolina, I'll be okay with that. But if the Rangers get eliminated on my birthday, that would be the worst birthday gift ever. I would never forgive Henrik Lundqvist Artemi Timmy Panarin, Mika Zibanejad. Uh, list goes on and on. And that's going to do it for this edition. For our producer, Spencer Dupuy, I'm Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of The Drive on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930.